Let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his words, some of the people said, Surely this man is a prophet. Others said, He is the Christ. Still others asked, How can the Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that the Christ will come from David's family and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? And thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him in? No one ever spoke the way this man does, the guards declared. You mean he has deceived you also, the Pharisees retorted? Has any of the rulers or of the Pharisees believed in him? No. But this mob that knows nothing of the law, there's a curse on them. Nicodemus, who had gone to Jesus earlier, back in John 3 we heard about that guy, and who was one of their own number, asked, But does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing? They replied, Are you from Galilee too? Look into it, and you will find that a prophet does not come out of Galilee. That's God's word to us this morning. Most of us receive a variety of invitations over the course of the year. We, we can receive invitations uh, to weddings, uh, to dinners, to birthday parties. And some of those invitations, when we get them in the mail or it's an online invitation or whatever, we can get very excited about them. Our text includes an invitation that is the most important invitation you can ever receive. The invitation is extended at the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. That's one of the three main feasts that the Jews celebrated then, along with Passover and Pentecost, which is also called the Feast of Weeks. Jesus is present. Many are intrigued about him. Could this be the one the Old Testament prophesied about? Could this be the Messiah who would come to save his people? While some people are intrigued about Jesus, we also read that the hatred for Jesus by many of the rulers is increasing all the time. We read that on the last day of the feast, Jesus stood and spoke, it says, in a loud voice. That means this is important stuff and we need to listen. And it turns out this is pretty intense. And it turns out this is core of the gospel type stuff. Sometimes, even in the course of the gospel of John, Jesus would have deeper teachings about other sorts of matters. But this is zeroing in on the very heart of the faith. Do you thirst? Do you want salvation? Do you want a deeper relationship with the Lord? Then come, come to me, 
Here and here alone is where you'll find what you're looking for. We see, first of all, this morning that this is a generous invitation. Why is it so generous? Well, it's because of its extent and its breadth. The invitation is as big as all of humanity, right? If anyone is thirsty, anyone, there are no limits on that word anyone. It includes boys and girls and teenagers, men and women, all ages, all races, whatever your background, whatever your current situation in life, all may come. And you know what? That's what's got to come through from Christian pulpits and Christian churches today. And from all of us, wherever we are, if we want to be faithful witnesses to Jesus in our land. If anyone is thirsty, let them come. Let her come. And of course... If it's not clear, Jesus is talking about spiritual thirst. Whether or not you're fulfilled in your soul and satisfied deep down in your life. Right here, the Bible doesn't go into all the details of the kind of thirst it is. And and that means that there are no limitations on that either. Any kind of thirst, whatever it is. Someone might say, as an example, maybe they wouldn't, they wouldn't say this outright, but they might say or think or act, I'm after pleasure. That, that's my goal in life. I seek out people and circumstances that make me feel good. Well, if you want real pleasure that really lasts, that really satisfies, you find it in Jesus. Not in other places. Psalm 16, verse 11. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Someone else might say, I want wealth. Can Jesus bring me that? Not in the sense you're probably thinking, but in a better sense. Romans 8, if we become God's children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. And Mark eight thirty six. what good is it for a man to gain the world and lose his soul? As Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the glorious riches in Christ Jesus. I saw a nice reminder of this recently online. And if Ryan could show us that a second. I thought that was, it just struck me as I was working on this particular point. I saw it. I don't know if it was on Facebook. We think we need, we have all these needs. What we need is Jesus. In other words, do you have a thirst of any kind? And the invitation is to come. And Jesus is speaking to you. The anyone includes the people of God. This isn't only for people who haven't accepted Jesus yet who've never come to Jesus. After all, this feast was filled with the people of God at that time. Jesus was talking to God's people who were doing what God had commanded them to do by gathering at this feast. 
This wasn't a crowd of mostly unbelievers. These were people who feared God. But these people, we know from throughout the New Testament, especially in the Gospels, they had the tendency to do what God's people in all of history had a tendency to do. And that is to think, because they knew God, that they had it all, that they had arrived. We're God's chosen people after all. And that can be a danger for us sitting here in the church, I believe, very much. Thinking we've heard it all. We know it all. We've got it all. We accepted Jesus, we got that figured out, and that's about it. No, 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 that's not it. Jesus is speaking to all of us who know him today, too. And, ask, and, and we got to ask, are we drawing from the living water, the well, day by day? Are you worn out and parched? Maybe today you've forgotten your daily source of refreshment and satisfaction and where it really was. If Jesus was enough, when you first accepted the Lord in your heart, maybe when you, when you professed your faith or during that high point in your life spiritually, if Jesus was enough then, don't you think he's your answer today, now, too, in your current situation? Jesus asked his people, have you forgotten that I'm the one? And we're called to continue in the one where we first found peace and rest and satisfaction. So the call is to to drink and keep drinking. Come and keep drinking. An invitation calls for a response. I think the Evite options are yes, no, maybe. More traditional invitations usually say RSVP. Do you know what that means? It's French for respond, please. A little bit of an aside, that means RSVP, please, is absolutely incorrect. That means respond, please, please. SVP is s'il vous plaît in French. I had a few years of French. That means please. So RSVP includes the please. I'm digressing. When we're talking about the response, sadly, this is where that great breadth and scope of the invitation gets narrowed. And we see it in our verse already. If anyone is thirsty, there may not be many who realize their thirst and who respond. Jesus saw a whole variety of faces out in the crowd, and we read a little bit about some of their response. Some people in their hearts were calloused, some had hatred, some were indifferent, some were blank maybe, some were uncomprehended, but some would say yes. Some would say yes. How about you? Do you thirst? Are you dissatisfied? Are there areas of life where you're unfulfilled? Is there sin in your life? Then respond, then come to me, says Jesus. 
We've got to be clear that we have to come to Jesus. And I think we need to emphasize that because sometimes we can mix up that heart and core of the faith with the supports and helps of our faith. Some people find comfort in institutions and ceremonies and rites. That's not all bad, but we need Jesus. A sign of over-dependence on things other than Jesus might be, for example, if someone has significant trouble when, let's say, the order of worship is changed or there's something new or different in the church. If that is overly troubling to you, then then you might want to check your heart. What am I coming to? A comfortable tradition or Jesus? And that's the point of our worship at faith. It's about bringing people to Christ. It's not about liturgy. It's not about order. It's about Jesus. I happen to be very sold on how we do worship at faith. And I'm, in fact, excited about how we do worship at faith. I believe it's historical, it's biblical, it's meaningful, it's spiritually vibrant. At least that's our hope and our prayer. But let's not forget, what we do here is not an end in itself. And that can actually be a danger, especially for the pastor and musicians who put together the worship. They're, you know, so I'm speaking to myself at least as much as everybody else. This is not an end in itself. Worship is not to have two nice programs for the church morning and night on Sunday. We gather here on Sundays, and Sunday by Sunday by Sunday, because we're thirsty. We do this recognizing that Jesus is the only one who can quench the thirst of anyone who walks through the doors, including you and me. Amen? Amen. There were lots of ceremonies going on during the feast. The Feast of Tabernacles. Sometimes it's called the Feast of Tents. And this one, it was, they're all the ceremonies in the Old Testament in in the Jews at the time, it was to point people to something. And in this case, it was to remind people of God's provision during the days in the desert, the desert wanderings before God's people entered the promised land. And, and then it was to point them ahead to the Messiah where all God's promises would be totally fulfilled. On the eighth day, when Jesus spoke up, the priests would go out of the city. They'd be in the city, go out of the city. All the worshipers would follow them. Outside of the city, there was a pool, Siloam, and they'd fill these golden pitchers with water. All, all this stuff to point people to the Lord and to the Messiah. They'd return to the city. They'd march around the altar seven times And it would all be concluded by them pouring water from that pool out of those pitchers on the altar. And that was to remind them of God's providing water during those 40 days in the wilderness. So with that ceremony in the background, Jesus' voice rings out loudly. If anyone is thirsty, come to me. There was a value in those ceremonies reminding people of God's past provision. 
but they were about to be done away with because Jesus is saying, I'm the one who really, truly satisfies. It's about me. Come to me. I'm God's ultimate provision for you. Come means to believe in him, to have faith in him, to commit yourself to him. If you hesitate this morning, if you think you're not ready to come, well, then you should know, you don't have to know, you don't have to have the Bible memorized before coming to Jesus. You don't have to have all the doctrines figured out. I think you should, at the very least, notice that when you're coming to him, you're coming to the one who came to earth to save you in your need, who died on the cross for your sins and who rose again to give us new life and life eternal. Finally, we see the promised results of the RSVP. They're in verse 38. Streams of living water will flow from him. It's interesting how John puts it here. If you respond to the invitation, the promise is not that you'll be satisfied, even though that's true. The promise, it doesn't say, it doesn't talk about your thirst being quenched, but it's true. Your thirst will be quenched. It says streams of living water will be flowing from within them. This is more about us becoming the means by which others, in addition to ourselves, are going to be satisfied. Isn't that cool? So to come to Christ, to be Christ-centered as a people, it's not to become self-centered, but it's to become others-centered, to be made a blessing. We will be satisfied, absolutely, no cup can overflow unless it has been filled first. And that's true with your soul and life too. But we don't stay there only focusing on the filling. If we do, our faith has a danger of becoming shallow, only experience-centered. Keep looking for the next experience. Our faith has the possibility of becoming introverted, maybe even selfish, and we're not called to that. Jesus didn't die for us to make us completely content knowing that we've come to Jesus. There's more. There's the water welling up in us to pour out. And that's the work of the Holy Spirit, verse 39 says. The promise, the result, is ultimately about the Spirit. And at Pentecost, what he's looking ahead to, he would come in a special way on the church that's at that one of the other big feasts, the Feast of Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, after Jesus ascended, the Spirit would come at that feast in a special way. He'd empower God's people and the mission of God to reach the world. And when you and I come to Jesus, we receive his power too. We receive the Holy Spirit so that we can be a blessing individually and all together as a church, even here at Faith. Talking about the Spirit, this passage is highlighted by some people who talk about a second blessing. And what they're almost saying, well, they are saying, is there are Christians, and then there are real Christians, ones who got the Holy Spirit. Well, no. 
all who come to Jesus have the promise of the Holy Spirit and receive the Holy Spirit. I wonder sometimes if certain Pentecostals talk about this because they see Christians who maybe aren't continuing to thirst, who maybe aren't continuing to drink, who aren't going back to the source, and therefore they seem a little dry, a little uninspired. We don't want to be like that. The invitation is to come and drink and to keep drinking too, to daily seek the Spirit's filling. We need regular refreshing. Hearing the word, celebrating the sacrament, gathering like we are today in the church, those are major ways that God has designed for our thirst to be quenched. These great opportunities that we provide on Sundays at faith every seven days. It's about being filled with the living water with all of God's people. And of course, we need even more daily, personal, and family devotions. Throughout each week, we as a church provide serving, fellowship, Bible study, small group, prayer opportunities too. That all has to do with going to the living water. So I encourage you and I invite you to say yes to Jesus' invitation today. Come and drink. Drink deeply, even as we go to the Lord's table this morning. And may the streams of living water flow from within us.